0: It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of red and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night, and we are women. It's always a fun experience interviewing a good friend, and that's exactly what tonight's interview was like with my good friend, Rifki Itzkowicz, who is the creator of a size-inclusive, modest fashion brand called Impact Fashion. Rifki has always been pro size inclusivity, female empowerment, and loving and embracing yourself. So during tonight's discussion, as always, Rifki and I cover a wide range of topics. So tonight we discussed female empowerment, the balance between strength and femininity, the way the world sees us, destroying female stereotypes, and more. Listen in for thought-provoking insights, inspiration, and valuable mindset tips.
1: I have was pretty much exactly the same as a kid almost exactly the same. There's the story that my grandmother repeats at almost every single family gathering is when I was in, I believe it was like, not even what's like the grade before pre-1A, like nursery, preschool, whatever. Yeah. So I must've been like maybe three or four years old. And we had one of those plays and the, the theme of the play was um, it was all about like Uh, it was all about like Shabbos and, and all the different parts of the Sabbath and the different like little aspects of it. So there was someone who was like the candles and someone who was the prayer book and every, everyone had a partner. And then you came up and you sang your little thing. So I was the challah cover and my partner was the challah. And it was this little boy who, and it was like, when you're performing in front of the parents, the, he freaked out, he completely and totally freaked out. We're like, again, we're like three, four years old, He gets total stage fright. So as my grandmother says, and I don't remember this happening, but I, I think it's on a VHS tape somewhere that I, I walked over to him. I pull, I grabbed his hand. I marched him right up to the front of the stage. I belted our song out at the top of my lungs. And then I marched him right back and off we went into the world. And that story pretty much sums up little Rivki, um, I, I was always super outgoing. I was always very, um, just, just loud and talkative and, and all of those
0: things. And I'm pretty much exactly the same now. It's so funny because at the same time though, you still have that introverted part of you though. Oh, I'm 100% an introvert.
1: See, we've had this conversation right. many times and we're and we'll have it again because I <laughs> I think this is something and I was actually just talking about this with somebody else today um who also is someone who's very outgoing and she's also a fashion designer but she is also an introvert. Whether or not you are introverted or extroverted is about where your energy comes from. If you get energy from being in a crowd, you are an extrovert. You go into a room, you you feed off of that. It makes you feel great. That's an extrovert an introvert is someone who recharges by being alone. And that's, that's where I get my energy from. I love reading. I love taking walks by myself. I love just watching TV. Just being alone to me is, it, it doesn't bother me also. Like I, one of my favorite things to do is go to a restaurant by myself, sit down, eat what I want, read something or whatever. I, I know there are plenty of people who would never eat out by themselves. I love it. It it's just, it's just a matter of, I think it's like a level of comfort that you have with yourself. And it's also just where, where you feel most recharged. That doesn't mean that I'm shy. I'm certainly not shy. But when I'm at a party and I'm really good in a crowd, like I I can definitely command attention of a room and public speaking doesn't scare me at all or anything like that. It's, you know, it's, it just didn't, it it just doesn't, like, I don't understand people who are afraid to public speak. Cause it's like, what's nothing's going to happen. Even if you bought nothing's going to happen, but either way, the, like when I do those things afterwards, I am exhausted after, you know, after I'm at a party and, or even sometimes during a party, I go to the bathroom for like five minutes and I just stand in a stall and I just take a deep breath be like, okay, we're good. We're you know, just like kind of check my, check my hair in the mirror and be like, okay okay, I feel good. I just, you just need a deep breath and then you can kind of go on with, with what you're doing. But yeah, I'm, I am definitely an introvert. I'm what's called an, an extroverted introvert. That's what I told you, right? Right. Yeah. I think that you're the same way. I think that you're the same way that you also, you, you get your energy from being alone but you're really good in a crowd. I think that also people have this misconception that someone who's introverted is someone who's really shy or who is someone who is on a mountaintop alone by themselves. Now don't get me wrong. I would love to be on a mountaintop alone <laughs> by myself, but that's not what I do all the time. Right? It's just not, it's just not where it, it's just not true. Like it, it's something that's just really misunderstood.
0: Right. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny because you're right. There are a lot of misconceptions out there and which actually brings me to our next, our next topic, but I think I want to finish this first, but, um, people have these ideas that like extrovert means super outgoing and fun and warm and friendly and introverts are people who are just like, like you said, like I'm not on top alone, but just need their own space all the time. They can review people and and introverts just got like a bad rap sometimes for that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. you're antisocial.
1: Yeah, they do. They and they do. And again, sometimes I love to be antisocial, but I also want to be social sometimes. Um, and I think that it's also just because we really value like think about thinking of like that all American girl next door who's like outgoing and vivacious and cheery with like a blonde ponytail. Like that's a very that's something that we value as a society is being able to be especially for women like being able to be you know just make everybody happy and and always be bubbly and all of those things that's something that we that we want from people and when you hear no I'm actually a really deep thinker or I'm actually someone who really enjoys being alone I'm actually someone who enjoys going to the movies by myself I don't need to be with someone else I'm perfectly fine to go to a Broadway show by myself and go to you know if there's something that I want to see and nobody wants to see with me I'll go and I'll see it um and it's you know it works um and and i think that that's also something that that women especially need to deal with those concept misconceptions in a in a lot of different ways just because we
0: are more scrutinized than anybody else pretty much absolutely absolutely and it's interesting that you mentioned that because as much as we have the pressure to be all like bubbly and you know life of the party we also have but there's kind of like being a powerful woman kind of has what to do with that. It's kind of along like the same wavelength, which is interesting because being a powerful woman gets a bad rap, also. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting because you see, there's this there's this weird tightrope that you're always walking. Um, particularly if you're someone who is like a professional working woman, like the two of us are. If you are in, well, maybe not so much like two of us, if you're in a corporate setting more, having an opinion is tricky sometimes. And having someone who is really good at articulating that opinion in a really strong way, which is just, it's literally just the way I'm wired. I've always been this way. I I know what I think very clearly and I don't have a problem saying it, saying so when it's appropriate. And that has got me into trouble sometimes. Uh, that got me into trouble in school sometimes. It got me into trouble, when I say school, I mean college, when you know professors would say things and be like, well, you're wrong. And then it would happen when male classmates would say similar things in much ruder tones and not get nearly as much pushback because he's just expressing his opinion, but I'm being a nuisance. And that's something that, that you really, you're, you're constantly caught in that trap of trying to figure out, you know, what is the, what is the proper amount? What is the proper amount of opinion for me to have? What is the proper amount of ambition for me to have? I mean, when I was dating, I was constantly told to hide the fact that I had my own company constantly, because I was told that guys would not like someone would feel intimidated by someone who runs their own company. Well, I don't know that's you know and and literally and people would be like okay so i want to set you up with this guy but i don't think that he would love so much that you run your own company so i'm just going to tell him that you're a teacher <laughs> that's which, pathetic which is hysterical because aside from the fact that i would make a terrible teacher um and like my, my sister is a teacher she's a fantastic teacher there are some people who are just wired for teaching i am not one of them and aside from, so it's just ridiculous, but also what, what am I supposed to do when we're on that date? And we're discussing my very exciting teaching job that I don't have. Like what, how moronic is that? But I'm telling you that that happened to me on more than one occasion where people would be like, Oh, I'm not going to tell him what you do. Or if you want to, you can tell him what you do. I'm just going to tell him you're in school. Um, or, or I had, I had a lot of people also, especially when I first started, I started my company when I was 21 living at home. So I it did kind of grow organically from what, you know, from what was an alterations business. And then that grew. And I was doing alterations out of my parents' house for about two and a half years while I was in school. Part I was doing that part-time while I was in school. And then that business kept growing. And then I had two full-time the gigs which was I was in school full time as an honor student and then I was also running this full time business and then that kept growing and then I realized that I needed to make a change because me sitting at my sewing machine as much as I love doing it and I miss it so much is the definition of not scalable. So in the summer of 2016 I started the process of creating Impact Fashion which is my line of clothing that's available in sizes 2 through 24 catering mainly to a modest dressing community. Um and what all of that when that happened in the summer of 2016 I was 21 years old um and I was single at the time I was sort of dating but not really because frankly I didn't have time um you know I come from a community where most people are going to be set up on blind dates pretty much um and I was not interested in being set up with someone I was not interested in being set up by someone who didn't know me with someone that they didn't know, you know, it's kind of like a double blind thing. So you've got literally a matchmaker and they don't know me and they don't know the guy. And they're like, well, she wears skirts and he wears pants. I think they should date. And to me, that's, it's, it was just such a royal waste of time. Um, particularly because I think I'm a pretty unique individual. So it was really hard to, you know, kind of match me up. And also I, I was working until midnight every single day. So if I, if someone was going to be picking me up at eight o'clock at night, that means I was going to have to start getting ready. Let's say at like 630, like shower, do my hair, makeup, eat before whatever. Cause you never know if he's going to feed you. And that's its own little nightmare. Um, right. And I am not a fun to be around when I'm not fed. So like, I always had to eat before, but so let's say I would be starting at like six. If he's picking up me at up at eight, then I'm stopping to work at 630. That's six hours of my work day. That's gone. And I just didn't have the time to devote to it, so I refused to go out with anyone that um, that didn't know me and the person that they were setting me up with, and that meant that I just dated a lot less, and I was totally fine with that. Um, I will also say that I am very lucky, and my husband basically fell from the sky. So this is not really this is not a method that I would really recommend um, if you're planning on dating. You know, in the in the Orthodox Jewish system, this is not this is not the like suggested method. So. In those situations, I was constantly told that the that the fact that I was ambitious, that the fact that I you know was running this company, that the fact that I was building this brand, that that was wrong, literally that that was wrong and that no one would ever love that. And no one would ever, you know, guys just want someone who's going to, you know, stay home and cook or even, or just, or just like, well, what are you going to do when you have kids? Like, well, I don't know. I'll probably get a babysitter. Maybe I'll figure it out. I don't know. Plenty of people have kids and jobs. This is my job. Um, lots of people saying that it was a um, a hobby. Or something. Or, oh, that's that's such a nice thing to keep you busy while you're single. What are you going to do when you get married? Be like, I'm going to keep doing this because it's my job. That's what I do. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that tightrope that we end up walking a lot throughout all of our lives.
0: Right. And it's so funny that you mentioned that because it's almost like you have to prove that you're still feminine and like a real woman, even yes. when you're doing like I've like I've I've gone on dates with guys who have said to me, like, you know, you just tell that someone's thinking something, right? So like you mm-hmm. tell them that they're a little bit like intimidated at first, and then like they like relax right away, right? Right when they start talking, they're they relax, right? And then they'll say to me sometimes, like I've had guys say this to me, literally oh my gosh, you're so much softer. Like, I know like you're about like female empowerment stuff and like your business, but you're just like-
1: <laughs> Yeah, they're like expecting some kind of like dominatrix or whatever yeah. to, to just be there. Because I think that also there's, because there are, listen, there are some things that women tend to do more than men and that men tend to do more than women. And some of those are inherent. Most of those I think are societal um, and just the way that we're brought up and the way that we're kind of conditioned to behave. and. When you think about like, it can be for some people, it's really hard for them to mirror, to like marry the, you can like makeup and all things pink and all things frilly and also be a badass. Like those things are not mutually exclusive. And it's really hard sometimes for people to have those things coexist in their brain. It's always funny watching someone trying to figure it out because it's not that complicated, but it's always like, oh, that's, wait, but then what do you do If when you want to like have a meeting, but your hair's messed up, I go to the bathroom and i fix it.
0: What kind of question is that?
1: It's ridiculous. But these are literally the kinds of, what do you, how do you, how do you run a meeting? I get up at the front of the room and I talk. So... It's like, it's, it's a ridiculous thing to say even, because there's no reason why I can't run a meeting, why I can't, you know, manage a factory, why I can't, you know, balance a set of books. I can do all of those things. Uh, but
0: uh, for some people, it's a little bit tricky for them to figure that out. Yeah. it just, it amazes me, these sort of questions. I mean, right.
1: <laughs> it's it's like, you don't even know what I'm to speechless. do with it because it's so yeah. moronic. Right. It's so moronic. <laughs> it's- but here's, here's the thing also is that when you have, you see, when you, when you're, when you have a situation where you're always seeing, when you're always used to seeing one thing, a certain way, think of it. When I tell you to picture a CEO right now, you picture an old white guy. That's just what you picture. I probably do the same thing too, most times because we're, because that's how it's been for so long. And that's also how it's, you know, always played in movies or whatever, or it's, or, you know, think about it, like in a movie, if there's like some really successful career woman, she can't hold down a guy cause she's so career obsessed <laughs> and, um, and she needs to learn to reprioritize and, and all of those things need to happen. And they're such old cliches and old tropes. And it's, I mean, it's, ridiculous. It's laughable. It's comical at this point. Um, but it's really hard to envision something if you've literally never seen it that way. Um, and it's really hard to envision something if the, if the, the, the thing that you're constantly, when I tell you picture CEO and you think of old white guy and I tell you, well, I run my own company, but you're not an old white guy. How does that work? And, and therein lies the problem.
0: Exactly. It's so interesting because the whole, like, you know, the whole, I don't think we've ever discussed this actually, like one of the topics we haven't discussed, but like the masculine and female energy. There's something energies. we haven't discussed. I know. <laughs> I know we Is always talk possible? about these sort of things, but I don't think we've ever discussed this. Have we ever spoken about like masculine and female energies?
1: energies we've definitely discussed I don't for know sure specifically Yeah, yeah, <laughs> about masculine and female energies but no what what do you mean by that
0: so okay so you know how like i guess according to like the textbooks right there are masculine energies and there are feminine energies so what does that mean there are a few different types of masculine and female energies like of known types i guess i should say right so like the most I guess spoken about one or whatever is about where like the feminine energy is like the knowing energy and I guess like the the taking, the receiving, and the masculine energy is like protective and powerful and maybe like brutally honest and stuff like that, right? And sometimes I think that when females seem to and there are more different like there are more, you know what I mean? Um, but sometimes when females tend to exhibit masculine energies or even the opposite but we're talking about females now um people get nervous makes them uncomfortable
1: well yeah i think that people get uncomfortable when they see anything that they're not used to seeing um and i i mean listen if you want to get like really technical about this and you know that i love nothing more than to get really technical about something um birth control was invented in the 50s you know, like the pill was invented, not birth control, but just the pill was invented in the fifties, which is not that long ago. That's 70 years ago. You know, like my grandmother was alive before the pill was invented. So up until that point, you really, you know, if you were having a baby every year or two, and there was nothing that you can do that was widely accessible to manage that, then your options were limited because somebody had to raise those kids. And the way that it had always been since the beginning of time is that the women were the one who raised the kids. And that's just the way it worked. Now obviously we're living in a very different time now in 2020 than we were in 1950. In a lot of ways it might be simpler if we went back to 1950, because I think we can all agree <laughs> that 2020 was not one that we want to repeat. But those like the the after effects of that of you know even just something as simple as like choosing when you get to have a child that really affects your options. That affects, you know, you can choose if you can make the decision if you want to pursue a career before starting a family. You can choose to make the decision if you want to choose a career instead of pursuing a family. And that's just, that's just a decision that is much more accessible to you now than it was ever. And it takes people a long time to get caught up to that, to the point where you find even among women, there's so much judgment around these life choices. You know, the working moms think the stay-at-home moms are like, old school or, or um, archaic in some way, or they're, they're just not enlightened. And the stay-at-home moms think the working mothers are neglecting their children or, or anything like that. You know, the, 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 the women who are more put together than other women are like, well, she just can't get her act together. I'm, I have, I have everything figured out. And that also is something that just because as humans, it takes us a long time to figure out where we fit into new world orders you know where we fit into into new world things that's also by the way um you know that a lot of the work that i do is around body positivity and and confidence and and all of those areas a lot of the things that are that most women want to change like under eye circles or wrinkles or cellulite a lot of those were only started becoming quote, problems, like they only started becoming something that women worried about in the 70s and 80s. Because what was happening was that the, you know, as women were becoming more and more, as they had more and more options, it was becoming a little bit too scary for a lot of people. And if you weren't the 1950s housewife that was putting on lipstick every, you know, every day at five o'clock when your husband came home and supper was on the table, but you were some 70s hippie or you were an 80s secretary, the question for cosmetic companies and for beauty conglomerates and for anyone that really makes money off of our insecurities were to take things that were previously not considered problems, like cellulite is a great example of this, and then just quote code them as problems so that I can sell you something to fix it. You know, it, we know that, you know, going back into, you know, like medieval times, being fat was considered really beautiful. Being fat was really attractive. You know why? Because if you were fat, that meant you had money to feed yourself. That And for a lot of starving peasants, fat was really attractive. You know, fat meant money, fat meant power, fat meant status. Now, not so much. You know, now if you're above a certain size, you're sloppy, you're lazy, you're ugly, you um, you don't care about yourself. You're neglectful, and the reason, part of the reason why these standards keep shifting, is because you're not supposed to be able to keep up. You're, you know, the it's sometimes really hard to feel like we can't keep up with these ever-changing beauty standards. You're not supposed to be able to keep up because there are companies that are literally making money off of your insecurity, which is a big part of what I know that you're trying to do with Carmela Cosmetics and how. Your there's something different just in the way first of all that your lipsticks wear it's the only lipstick that I can possibly wear um and you know that I you are you are literally the person that got me to wear lipstick I did not ever wear it before I love it (laughs) but also you know with there's something about approaching beauty from a place of not just empowerment but there's something about taking that decision of the way that you look and tying it into feeling good about yourself as opposed to seeing yourself as something bad that needs to be fixed. Um, And that's something that's really important for me to do at Impact also. Um, My company started out as being available in sizes two through 16, literally because I picked a number out of a hat. Like I didn't, I thought about it for maybe five seconds. I was like, at the time I was wearing a, like, I don't know. At the time, I think I was wearing like a size eight. I knew a couple of women who were like 12, 14s And then I was like, okay, so then we'll go 16. And then like, that sounds like a good number. And that was like around where most modest companies were ending. A couple, maybe a season or two after I started, I added in size 18 because someone had asked for it or just because I felt like it was, I felt like it made sense too. Um, This was right around, this was in like 20, end of 2016, beginning of 2017. So this was right when the plus size fashion movement was happening in the wider fashion community. And then in, towards the end of 2017, one of my, um, one of my wholesalers, one of my boutiques at the time, um, at the time I was a wholesale only company. Now I'm a retail only company online. The, um, she asked me to go up if I could do, if I could make her a style in size 24 and we started talking about it. And she told me that there was nobody servicing these women who were, you know, not quite, you know, there's like that super plus, which is generally starts around, size like 26 or so and goes up from there. But then there's that, what's called like a, a regular plus range, which there's a little bit of debate against about where it starts, but generally it's somewhere around size 18 and usually goes to around size 24. And nobody was servicing these women, particularly in the modest community. And I was, and I told her, it was like, well, what are these, what do they do? What are they, they're, they're, obvious, they're not naked. So oh, what yeah. are they wearing? And it was, well, they have things custom made. Or they wear like potato sacks or tent dresses or moo-moos or whatever. And my first thought was that can't be right. Like, and I was like, okay, so this, this store owner is mostly with like straight size women. She's not, she like maybe doesn't know. And I started doing tons and tons of research and it was true. There was almost nothing in the modest market for someone to above, above a size 14, Oh, literally nothing. You had a couple of people who were doing like tent dresses or what my husband likes to call potato sack dresses, um, that were just, that are just like these shapeless, um, that are just these shapeless, you know, rolls of fabric basically. And then you had a couple of people, um, that were doing, that were, do- that were like calling themselves size inclusive, but were stopping at like a size 16 or 18 or something like that. So that was when I really started to To do, once I did that deep dive and I saw that there were no options there, I started thinking, well, that's first of all, that's just wrong. Everyone deserves to have great options. Everyone deserves to feel, not only that, everyone deserves, everyone deserves to feel like they are worth the time, effort, and energy to look their best, whatever that best is. You know, it's up to you to decide what your best is. For some people, they feel fantastic with their false eyelashes and their full glitter eyeshadow and a full (laughs) face of makeup that takes them two hours to put on in the morning. And some people feel fantastic with not even sunscreen on, which always wear sunscreen. But, you know, that's, you know, with nothing on their face. That's that's something that only you can decide for yourself. But when I realized that there was really nobody catering to these women, first I was really upset about it. And then I was, okay, let's, let's fix it. Let's, let's do something around that. Um, and that's really when impact got off the ground. That's really when, um, when things started gaining steam and when, um, and and when I, you know, I am, as far as I know, and I tell people all the time, if you know of anybody else who does something like this, please tell me, and I will give them a shout out. I would love to be, I would love to know, you know, who else is doing this? But as far as I know, I'm the only modest brand available in sizes two through 24 that does properly fitted clothes that doesn't do the potato sack dresses or, you know, the the tent pieces and all of that. And, and that's really important to have, I think.
0: Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And it's so funny that you say that because I always knew that you were size inclusive, obviously, but I just literally clicked like this second, as you said, the fitted aspect, because- I have never seen any other modest fashion company that is size inclusive with fitted, like nice, nicely fitted dresses. You know, yeah, like actual real clothes, and that is so special.
1: Yeah, and it's something also. You know, I do work with um, with custom clients usually who are above a size twenty four, because I am someone who is couture trained in dressmaking um, and pattern making, and I do specialize in those. Um, in those larger bodies, you're not, you're not going to, in order to do what I do, in order to provide something that is a great item that looks beautiful on sizes two through 24, you really need to know what you're doing technically. You really need to know how to design, construct, and engineer a garment so that it actually works. You know, garments are like buildings. There are rules to how they need to stand. There are support structures that need to be in place. There are ways that you design them so that they work so that they flatter so that they make people feel confident about themselves it happens to be that a lot of modest brands are started with people by are started by people with very little formal fashion training um, or very minimal formal fashion training people will usually take time to focus on the artistic side of things and not so much on the technical side of things and when you're not focusing on the technical side of things you have a very pretty house that i huff and i puff and i blow it down it just doesn't hold up so those Those kinds of elements are really important to me. And I also think that there's also this larger school of thought, which is becoming less and less prevalent. And I'm so glad that it is. There's this school of thought that if you're above a certain size, particularly if you're a woman above a certain size, that you don't care. You know, if, if I really, if she really cared about the way she looked, she never would have let herself get that big. If she really cared about the way she looked, she would get her act together. She would eat the damn celery, and she would, you know, and she would lose a hundred pounds. And that's just not true. It's just not true. There are some people who can eat the celery and do eat the celery every damn day, and you know what? They still weigh three hundred pounds, and they work out, and they work out, and that's just the way they are. That's it's just the way that they are built. It's a and. What that also means is that, and even, even if, let's say even if you have someone who's you know not eating what they're supposed to and and not eating well and not working out or anything like that, that person is still a person and is still deserves more than being wrapped in 10 yards of fabric that give them no shape, that do them no favors, that make them feel terrible about themselves, that every time they walk into a, into a store, a sales lady is gonna eye them up and down and say, I'm so sorry, honey, we don't have anything for you. And then, you know, talk about them behind their back when they leave, they deserve to be treated properly and they deserve to have the option. Now that's not to say if, you know, if you want to wear oversized pieces, by all means go do don't, I do not presume to tell anybody how to dress, but you should not be forced to wear an oversized tent dress because that's literally the only thing that you can get your body into. I just, I just don't think that that's right. And that's what I do to make that not the case.
0: Yeah. I love it. I love what you're doing, Rifki. I, it's it's Thanks. really incredible. I, everyone should have a voice. Everyone should be able to like, just like you said, feel beautiful in whatever body they have and with whatever, like for me, it's like about the features that you have and, you know, and I completely agree with you. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Yeah. I think that it's also, to me, it really boils down to the, to having options. Um, If you, because also I know what it's like to not have options. I've been a modest dresser my entire life and the you know, my entire life, I was always limited would even be strong, but I was, I knew that when I walked into a department store, I would not be able to even try on 70% of the things there because they would be, cause they wouldn't fit my modesty standards and they wouldn't, and they wouldn't be able to be altered to make them work. And of the remaining 30%, I would be, you know, altering I would be making it longer I would be adding sleeves I would be adding hemlines. I would be layering sweaters do you think that we can get a find a matching shirt to go underneath this like all of those things were always things that I was thinking of and then and it's hard enough dressing modestly as it is it just is it's not a simple thing to do particularly when it's you know in a time and fashion when modesty is not trending now we happen to be in a little bit more of a modest like time frame I want to say like within the last like maybe two years Um, But I have a sneaky feeling that we're like towards the end of it, that mainstream fashion has been a little trending a little bit more modest, but especially in a time when it's not, you're already so limited. And then you're going to tell me that in order to fit into something, I also need to be, you know, below a certain size. And also let's call a spade a spade. You and I are both come from Orthodox communities. There is a huge amount of fat phobia in our community. There is a huge, uh, there's a huge amount of pressure to keep yourself ridiculously thin, and that starts from very young. It's in the way that it's in the way that we talk to our girls about food. It's in the way that we approach our parties. It's in the way that we're complaining about all the challah that we're eating. It's a way that we're complaining about. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to. I'm so glad that there's a fast after Rosh Hashanah because I just ate so much and. Um, And it's in the way that we, that we, you know, worry before Pesach about all the weight that we gained on Pesach and on Pesach, all we can talk about is the potatoes and after Pesach all we're talking about is the same potatoes and now I need to go on the kale cleanse and now I need to do the juice thing. And it's, it's constant. Our community is one in particular that, that talks about this kind of stuff constantly. And that also means that we, and to, to add insult to injury, we're constantly talking about these dieting things. And then the companies that come out of our community don't cater to people above a size 10. They just don't. I have been like around the size 8, 10 almost my entire life. And there were plenty of stores that I could not walk into because literally their extra large was going on my sister who wears a size four. And that's ridiculous. And so when you add when you combine those two things together, you're setting yourself up for a generation of women who. A just feel terrible about themselves. B believe that they are not worthy of, you know, good clothes let alone having opinions, let alone expressing what they actually mean in the world, let alone achieving anything that they wanted to achieve. And you then add on all this extra added pressure of but you always have to look good and put together. Well, how exactly am I supposed to look good and put together if you don't even provide clothes that I can wear? It's just not it's just not the way that we're set up. We're set up in a way that really you know, if you are not naturally thin, it becomes really very difficult. And I think that we need to change that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So wait, so let me ask you a question. So you just mentioned that you couldn't even fit into their largest size, right? So how did you maintain your self-esteem or build up your confidence? Because that's really hard, especially as a kid, teenager and early teen to feel like that. Okay. So
1: I don't really know how to answer that question because I know that this is going to be really not, I have, I have an answer, but it's very, it's going to be very not satisfying. And that is that I am wired to completely ignore other people's opinions. And there's nothing that I did to be that way. It's just the way I am. Um, I do think that, I, I do think that a part of this did have a lot to do with, some experiences that I had in elementary school, I was bullied pretty intensely throughout all of elementary school. So from, and like starting pretty much from first through about seventh, a little bit into eighth grade. And what I realized, and again, I understand this is not a normal thing for a human to think, but this is just the way that the <laughs> brain works. And that it, like, when I was in first grade, I was getting made fun of for being too smart because I I just was. I was smarter than other kids in the class. I was reading better. I was doing, I just I just was. I have been blessed with a good memory. I remember stuff. It's and in school really the only important thing is remembering stuff. So if you tell me to like wake you up in half an hour, I will definitely forget, but if you tell me like some random history date, I will remember. It's just the way my brain works. There's not there's I I so there's no trick that I do. It's literally just the way I am. And so in first grade I was being made fun of both for like being the smartest in the class and kids would be calling me stupid. Now, both of those things can't be true. They just can't be. So if you want to call me soup, you, you want to call me a nerd or, you know, four eyes or whatever, or like, here comes Rifty teacher's pet. She's so stupid. Those things both can't be true. Um, and I learned from a pretty young age that other people's opinions are usually wrong and always stupid. And I really just, disregarded that information. Like, it's just not something that I factor into uh, my decision-making. So I wasn't, I was not like comfortable in my body as a, as a kid. I definitely was not. Um, When I was in eighth grade, I went on a diet and I lost about 35 pounds, somewhere in like the 30 to 35 pound range. Um, Up until that point, all that I really wanted to be was kind of like my grandmother and kind of like my mom. So I actually really liked wearing suits, which my mom says that she was like, she was just so grateful for it, that. I was so happy to like wear these like really cute, like matching like skirt and jacket sets. And I did yeah. not look at all like anybody else in my grade. Um, and I did not look at all like any of the other kids. And I look like a tiny little old lady, but I was so <laughs> happy. And my mom was just ecstatic because that was literally all that fit me. So she was just like, fantastic. She likes it. Great. Like I, w- I was really just happy to, um, to be. That. And I think that for me, finding comfort in my body and with and with my body at whatever size it was at really came from focusing more on the way that things made me feel as opposed to the way that they made me look. And I ironically discovered this while on a diet. Um, there's a there's a program called Fit Girls Guide that I had found on Instagram. um and they're like very, very Instagram focused. And I found them through. I think I was looking for recipes once. And I found them that way somehow. And I just thought the food looked good. I just, it, it was like a 28 day meal plan or whatever. And I really just thought that the food looked good. Um, and like, it looked like recipes that I might like. And I liked the way that they approached meal prep and planning. And my life was very busy at the time. So I thought maybe, like, maybe this is something that would make sense. Not that like, I don't know what I was thinking though. Cause I was living at home and like, I could have just eaten my mom's supper, but whatever. Um, that. It was was while I was doing that program, I guess you could say, and this was, I want to say I was maybe like 20 years old, maybe 19, that I began to realize that on that program, I did not lose weight. And I wasn't really intending to lose weight, but I did feel fantastic. And it was a lot of things that, and it wasn't anything crazy restrictive. It was just like eat vegetables. Also eat carbs, maybe have protein every now and then. Like it was about paying attention to holistically what you ate, and I realize now that there's a lot of it that was like very tied to intuitive eating, and and into all of those aspects. And this was like before, way before intuitive eating was trending or anything that somebody was. And I'm and I'm certainly not an intuitive eating expert on any level, but it it all kind of fit. And to me, it was about focusing more on how things made me feel as opposed to how they made me look. And now I'm in a very interesting situation because now I publish my height and size constantly because people see me wearing my clothes and they want to, and I give it for reference, you know, I'm five, two, and I'm wearing a size 10. And recently it's been, I'm five, two, and I'm wearing a size 12 because I've gained weight. And I thought, I wasn't there was there was certainly a point in time when I was kind of resisting going up a size, you know, changing out my closet. Listen, I am very fortunate. Most of the items that are in my closet are from my own clothing line. So I literally have the ability to replace the to take the 10, replace it with the 12 and have almost exactly the same closet, which is unusual for most people. I understand. Um but it did definitely take me a little bit of time to go up a size, but then once I did, I immediately started feeling better in all of my clothes because they fit properly. Like I could breathe better and I could, and things were just laying nicer. And all of that, all of those things started making a little bit more sense. All of those things started making things a little bit easier. So that was also certainly a part of it. And then the other thing also was that now when I'm saying, you know, I'm 5'2 and I'm wearing a size 12, it doesn't really bother me. Even though I know that people are going to be like, oh, is she, you, oh she, she must have gained weight. She's going up a size. You know, she used to wear a size 10. Now she's wearing a size 12. What's going on in her life? Um, but it doesn't really bother me. It doesn't really, um, it's not something that I really stress so much about. It's definitely something that I noticed. You know, it's definitely something that I, that I took, you know, it's not something that I was completely oblivious to. It wasn't something that I was completely neutral towards, but I didn't have strong negative feelings about that. And that I was kind of excited about. Um, and, and taking the time to, you know, also, by the way, if you're in a situation where your size is changing, get yourself clothes that fit. You don't need to change your entire wardrobe, but don't, don't buy a dress that's two sizes too small for your wedding. Don't do it. Get something that fits you. And if you need to take it in, you'll take it in. It's not that complicated. Like that's, don't don't put yourself through that kind of torture. Um, Get yourself things that work the way you are now, not the way you maybe want to be. Because aside from the fact that you just might never get there, you are deserving of great options right now. No matter what size you are, no matter what you look like, you deserve to feel your best. And again, this is something that might be easier said than done. But it doesn't have to be super expensive. It doesn't have to be. If you're thinking of, you know, going clothing shopping anyways, buy yourself something that fits now. Don't buy yourself something that you think might fit in a couple months from now.
0: That's great advice. Because it also makes you feel like you have to lose that weight or you have to get to a certain place like that's ideal and you're not appreciating yourself for yeah, like where you are now. Yeah, also it's
1: not even that. It's that it's so depressing. If you buy a dress that you love that doesn't fit, then what are you doing Like, what do you do every time you open your closet? You're seeing this dress you love that you can't wear? That sounds really depressing to me. And frankly, I'd rather just eat the cake and wear the dress in my size. Like that to me just makes more sense. I don't know. That should to me is just more appealing. What's that stupid saying? Nothing tastes as good as being skinny feels. Yeah, except cake. Cake tastes pretty damn good. Like that, it's just it's just so ridiculous to me that you would that you that you could think that way because. Not no, I get why you could think that way, but I do think that at a certain point you're you need to just live your life and you need to go ahead with what you with with what just allows you to live a full and joyful life and if you' living a full and joyful life means that you get to be you know a dress size or two or three larger than society says you should be or you would ideally like to be, then so be it. That's it. You you still deserve options at that size. You still deserve to feel beautiful at that size. And by the way, you can feel beautiful at any size. And I'll prove it to you. Look back at old pictures when you were smaller. And I bet you that you're having all of the same thoughts about your body now as you were then, which just goes to prove that this has nothing to do with what your body looks like and everything to do with how you feel about your body. Because everyone has had the experience where they look back at old pictures and being like, wow, I looked fantastic then. I really let myself go since then. But then, you know, when I was in high school, I felt great. I looked fantastic. When I was in high school, I looked great. How great did you feel in high school? Probably not very. And that just goes to show that it's a, this is internal work. This is not external work. And if you're focusing so much on the external work, then there's only so much energy in, you know, in a human, there's only so many hours in a day. And if you're focusing so much on the external work, then you're probably not taking a lot of time for the internal work. And that's the stuff that's really gonna leave you feeling fulfilled and better about yourself.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that you're saying that. that's literally exactly what I tell my clients for during my image consulting sessions, because you know, we've discussed this that I work from a holistic perspective. I mean, it's you have to incorporate the two of them. Okay, you could work on, you know, applying makeup in a way that flatters your features and hairstyles that flatters your features and clothing even and colors, but you have to also have that mindset. Of being beautiful and confident, and you know, or also just doesn't work because you could be the most beautiful woman and you won't look it or even feel it because of the way you feel. It's so true. And by the way, a lot
1: of people think that, you know, women in larger bodies have a monopoly on feeling bad about themselves. I have, I have, and I do deal with clients at literally every single size from two to 24 plus, from double zero to really 24 plus. Every I have dealt with women who are a size 24 that are so confident that, that know their body, that carry themselves in a, in a, in a real and really regal way. And I have dealt with women who are tiny, who, if they turn sideways, I can't see them. And they're, and they're so critical they're you know, all they're seeing is, is a lump or a bump or a roll and how that makes them and how that makes them feel. And wow, I really let myself go and oh my gosh, I've really gained so much weight. It's not it has nothing to do with how big you are. It has everything to do with how you view your own body.
0: You know, it's it's almost like it's like when you look in the mirror and you have like one little pimple, right? And no one else notices it, but you look in the mirror and your gaze automatically like tunes into that and and your friend's like, what? Could you like get a magnifying glass for me to see that? And you're like, it's right here. Like, of course, the first thing I've noticed, but it's like, we're the, we're the most so critical true. of ourselves.
1: I, I like to pick pimples. I know you shouldn't, but I do. Um, And and I, I just can't help it. I, I have to. It's like a compulsive thing. I don't I don't know. Whatever. I just, I have to. And every time that my husband sees me starting to like pick at something that's like on my chin or whatever, he's like, what are you even picking at there's nothing there and I'm like no I feel it I see I see it yeah it's exactly like that it is 100% exactly like that
0: but you know what I tell people is look at the mirror as if you're and pretend like it's not you for a minute you you see this woman in front of you what are you thinking you know that's what I did do with, like to myself on a bad day I look in the mirror and I'm like okay I'm not me I'm somebody else looking at me What am I thinking? Do I think, oh, she's hideous, or like, oh my gosh, she's so bloated, or do I think, oh, she looks so pretty today? Right. You know what I mean? And unless if you're a very judgmental person, you're probably going to think the person probably. One of my
1: favorite tricks is to not say anything to yourself that you wouldn't say to another person. I would never. I would never. It has happened one time. It has happened one time that I have like really told someone that I thought they were doing something awful, but if, if let's say even taking it away from just looks for a second, if one of my friends made a mistake of any kind and they, there was a situation, they screwed something up at work, something got out of hand or whatever, I would, pro- I would most of the time I would say, yeah, you're right. You made that, you you know, it sounds like you, you made this mistake. It sounds like you really messed this up. The person who was offended will probably get over it. You'll be able to move on. You'll be able to get through this. You'll be able you know, I, I'm, I would comfort them, right? I would tell them that everything's going to be okay. I would tell them that things are going to work out. I would tell them that, that it'll, it'll be, it'll be fine. You know, one way or one way or another, this is going to be fine. But if I make a mistake, well, I'm, I'm just the worst thing to ever walk the earth, right? If I make a mistake then I'm then, oh my God, how could you think that you could even run a company? How could you think that you could even try to try to make that business connection? Because, Like they're not going to want to talk to you. You, please, that doesn't make any sense. And it's exactly the same way. If don't talk to yourself in, don't talk to yourself any different than you would talk to a friend, and be just as kind to yourself as you would be to someone that you care a lot about. Because you should, you probably do care a lot about yourself very much, and it's very easy to be hard on ourselves because with with other people, we only see what they're willing to give us. And also it's just a lot easier to see the good in other people. But with us, we have the full data set, you know, with us, we're, we know everything that's going on in our own heads. And sometimes things that go on in our own, in our own heads are not pretty. Sometimes it's a real big mess up there. And because we know that it can get so messy up there, we are so much more judgmental of it. And we are so much more judgmental of what goes on in our own hearts and minds. And that's not helpful to anyone. And I think that thinking of it as, you know, don't say anything you wouldn't say to a friend is, is one, one thing that I try to keep in mind when I'm
0: getting up in my head a little bit. That's great. It's a great, it's a great mindset Thanks. technique. So now that we've kind of like incorporated a lot of different subjects into one discussion, I, which I love, by the way, I this love it. This is literally it. what our so, conversations
1: are like though. I'm really, this is hysterical. This, this is, we're just talking. Really- this is literal this is literally what our phone calls sound like. This is what our WhatsApp is. This is, if anyone doubted that we were friends until now, yeah, it's, it's true.
0: We, we legitimately right. like each other people. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Except for when we're actually talking and I'm not like interviewing you, That's true. We, I talk That's more. True. So I don't like, just, I don't make Rifki like talk for an hour I'm straight. doing the heavy lifting <laughs> tonight. <laughs> <Sorry about that. laughs> um, but Rifki, first of all, I, I love your body con. First of all, like, I don't think I ever told you this, but I, I absolutely love your body confidence. Um, that's inspiration and then your own body confidence and how you spread it and empower other women. Like, seriously, I really, really love it. And it's something that I really admire about you. I, and I wanted to ask you about, okay, so, so we spoke a little bit before about um, not, and not being acceptable for women to be a certain way, like that powerful, strong woman has kind of like a bad rep. And so how would like, what would your advice be because you're totally that confident, strong woman, you know what would your advice be for a woman who wants to be more confident but also wants to still have that feminine like energy, I guess, and like be seen not as that sort of I'm trying to think of a nicer word than the word we're using than that we spoke about. Over Are you trying the phone. to not say bitchy um yeah, so like how would you? Advise someone or mentor someone who is that sort of person who is not a bitch or whatever. She's a, just a strong, powerful woman. Yeah. Like- so, you see, for me, it comes out in a couple of different ways. I think that
1: there is a tightrope here. I do think that there are some people that I rub the wrong way. I I just know that. I know that there are certain people who do not want to do business with me, who do not want to be around me because they feel like they. Well, the truth is that they can't handle me, but because they feel like I am maybe too. <laughs> Um, forward to direct to whatever the people who I work best with are the people who are also that way. Um, You know, the people who I work best with are the, are the women that are confident enough to be in that space as well. I think that I don't, I think that focusing on trying not on how you will be perceived is frankly a waste of time because you, there's almost nothing that you can do to control other people's opinions of you um there's there's so little that you could even think to do that and none of it is worth your time and if you're constantly making decisions from a place of worrying about what other people are going to think about you then you're never making your own decisions you're making everybody else's decisions and my advice in that situation and I do want to say I do want to like just kind of point out that I've never been in a true corporate environment I've been in a bunch of you know like investor fundraising type meetings um but I've never been Oh that's not true. I did intern once. So maybe I have been, but that was like a not truly corporate situation. But either way, the um it, it might be a little bit different if you're in a like a like a a work office that you're there all the time. Um but what I find works really well is to just be really nice. Really nice. I was just at my factory yesterday and I brought over donuts for the holidays and wrote a thank you note to the person who manages the floor. And I am genuinely grateful for everything that my factory does to keep my place running. But when I showed up with donuts, let me tell you, it was fantastic. And this is not the first year that I've done that. I've done that every year that I've been using this factory. And you know what that means? It means that when I ask them, you know, can you have this like thing that really should take two weeks? Can you have it done in a week? They're happy to do it because I'm not constantly calling them with emergencies or anything like that when they they know that when I'm asking I I need it I mean it and i think that also being in a lot of ways so the, the example that's coming to my head is age. Like I said, when I started my company, I was 21 um, and my company started as a wholesale only company. So now I only sell online on my website. It's impactfashionnyc.com. But when I started out, I was only selling in boutiques. So that meant that I was literally just going up to boutiques, meeting with the owner, showing them my designs and seeing if they wanted to buy them, taking their orders and all of that. And in a lot of ways, I was very nervous because I was very young. I was 21 years old. Um, I was, I, and I didn't Like I didn't really, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was kind of making it up as I went along and I was self, a little self-conscious about it. But what I noticed was that because I was so young and because a lot of the women that, that I was meeting with were so much more experienced than I was, they got a kick out of it. It was like, they were, they were, they thought it was kind of cute that there was like, oh, here comes this little girl with her dresses and let me humor her. Let me, let me see what she has to say. And I used that to my advantage. They're like, Yeah. I'm going to be the cute little girl that shows up carrying her garment bag and opens everything up. And then the second that I start talking about my designs, you're going to see that I really know what I'm talking about. And you're going to see that my stuff is really good. And you're going to see that this is something that you could have in your store. And then and you're going to want to set me up with your grandson and you're going to want to, um, you know, have me over for dinner and all that. I'm happy to, you know, great set me up. I don't care. But like all of that to, to kind of lean into that is really helpful. So now I kind of lean into, you know, like you said before, that feminine energy. I lean into that. I t- I take care of people in that way. You know, I when I'm talking, when I'm in a meeting with someone, I hold my own and I, you know, I know I know what I'm talking about and I know and I know what I what I need to know for whatever it is, but I'm I always make sure to be really polite and I always make sure to be really, you know, to thank everyone for working with me and to thank everyone for taking the time to explain things to me that maybe Um, I needed explaining or to, or just to thank them for working on something. And I think that when people see that particularly, I mean, listen, an argument can be made. And I would agree with this argument that I shouldn't need to be more polite than a guy should, than a guy does, but, and I agree. I do. I need to be more polite. I need to be more polite than a man. I need to be more, I need to be cuter. I need to be nicer. That's that will get me farther. But once we're, we're dealing in reality, of that's just the way that it has to be. I just need to be cute. I need to be friendly with everyone and I'm happy to do it. Then I'm going to use that to my advantage. And everybody likes to help out the little girl next door. You know, every, every, please. It's, I'm like everyone's little sister. And that has really worked to my advantage. Now, when you're in like a, you know, in that same way though, I think that you earn the respect by knowing what you're talking about. You earn the respect by knowing that by knowing your stuff. I earned the respect of my fabric suppliers by showing them my designs, um, and that also meant that when they were giving me units or or limits or whatever that I couldn't reach, then that's when I kind of pulled out the cute, and that also works. Um, and that's and that's something just I think to keep in mind. I think that in general people just like being treated nice, and if you treat people nicely, they will. You know, they will come back. I think that like, I also think that, you know, so in a devil wears prada type situation, I don't think I think that you get a lot farther by not being Meryl Streep. You know, I think that you get a lot farther by being nice than by being Meryl Streep in the Devil Wears Prada. I do think that men have more leeway. I do think that if, you know. You, Wolf of wall street would never have existed with women because it literally wouldn't happen. It's not, it's not a thing that could happen. Um, and, and I think that that's also, you know, it's, is that annoying? Yeah, but I'm not really concerned with that. I'm concerned about what I need and you earn the respect by knowing yourself and you earn the respect by presenting nicely and you earn the respect by being, by knowing your worth. I know the things that I know. I know the things that I'm really good at. I know the things that I'm not so great at. Those are the things that I need your help with. And when you are willing to be open with that, then I do find that people respond to that pretty positively.
0: Yeah, that's great advice for sure. Absolutely. And also I think that if you do lean into the feminine energies, like, that's also our power. It's not only about like just going with the flow because that's what will get us Someplace. It's also about that's also like yeah. your power. And listen, you know what I mean? a like- lot can be. There's
1: a lot of like in this very in this way that we're that we very segmented like like you said, masculine and feminine and feminine energies. It harms men also. This idea that like that like real men don't cry. That's ridiculous. Men have emotions also. You know, men, and men should be able to tap into those emotions whenever they want. They should be able to put on a a nice suit and get all dressed up without someone calling them gay. Not that that's a bad thing, but as someone using that as an insult. Um, all of those things, these, these are universal societal issues. And I do think that, you know, the, what, what is that? The, the, the arc bends towards justice. The arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. You know, those, these are the kinds of things that take a long time to get to where we want them to get to. And, but they do eventually get there. And I think that in the meantime, you just need to do the best to keep your own self running
0: for sure absolutely okay so this is the question that I ask everyone to end it off so what is something that you hope that the next generation of women won't have to struggle with I really hope that the next generation of women
1: doesn't have to worry about fighting with each other I think I really hope that I really hope that our daughters realize that this is not a zero-sum game and that if somebody else does well, that doesn't mean that I do worse. And I think that we would, I think that society as a whole and womanhood, womankind, I don't know, um, as a whole, I think that we would all just be better off if we spent a little less time competing with each other, a little less time pulling each other down, and a little bit more time learning from each other's experiences. Um, and and podcasts like this that are really just allowing different women to come on and share their voices are, are a really great step in that direction.
0: Absolutely. And I have to say, you are one of the most supportive women on Instagram going along those lines because like you practice. Well, I really do
1: believe that a rising tide lifts all ships like on a very basic level there. I'm friends with a ton of fashion designers, particularly modest fashion designers. And. A lot of us sell online and a lot of us, I guess, are technically competitors, but just from aside from the fact that like, it's nice to be nice. And I like having friends who are interested in the same things that I'm interested in aside from all of that, from a purely Machiavellian perspective, if online shopping, if modest online shopping is doing well, I'm a part of modest online shopping. They're a part of mon- modest online shopping. Everyone, like everyone does well. If people, the more people get used to shopping for modest clothes online, the better my company does. Great. Great. So let me support everyone who shops, who sells modest clothing online so that more and more people can get used to it. Um, also, it's just nice to be nice, but just from a purely selfish perspective, there are, there are nice plus sides also though. That's for sure. Well, thank you. You also, by the way, are someone who is, is always in my corner. And I really appreciate that.
0: My pleasure. Of course, of course. I'm always like, I feel like you get what you give, you know what I mean? So true. And you attract the same sort of people, like the same, it's like, you know, birds of the feather flock together. It's so true. Have you ever seen like a group of friends and they're all the same?
1: Yeah, You know what I mean? It's like, and they're all, they're all the same. And you're like, oh, okay. I,
0: I understand. This makes sense. This, <laughs> right. this, this works for me. I get it. And it's like, some, it's not even about like, the, like just to clarify, not about the same personalities. It's not what you're talking about. You're talking about like the same, like almost like vibrational level of like, yeah yeah you and your vibrations
1: it's always, <laughs> I can't help it always comes can't. Back, it always
0: comes back to the energies with you I know because I think that makes me laugh every time and, well essentially everything is energy in this world you know what I'm saying like this pen I know energy. and you're always thinking about energies <laughs> I have never thought about energies before I met you that's literally so never <laughs> that's so funny I did not know that not, not,
1: not at all not even a tiny bit <laughs>
0: Well, you tolerate tolerated so well.
1: Thank you. I'm very good at tolerating. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tolerate you any day Naomi. Opposites i just attract. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, okay, wait, so let's just end this off. So where can people find you if they want to learn more about you?
1: Okay, so um, you're listening to a podcast now. I do have a podcast of my own. It's called Be Impactful. It is about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. And every week I have a different guest and they we discuss all sorts of different things. I mean, we've done, um, I've done episodes on abuse. I've done episodes on, um, on infertility. I've done episodes on, I'm blanking out on other things right now. Um, I did, I've done episodes on abortion. I've done episodes on, um, speaking about self-confidence. I've done episodes around, you know, building your own people who have built their own businesses. I've done episodes talking about mental health. We've done episodes about, um, pretty much, I mean, we've been doing it for over a year now. So really pretty much almost um, anything has been covered. And that's um, Be Impactful is is a project of Impact Fashion, which is my fashion company that, like I mentioned earlier, is a modest line available in sizes 2 through 24. And all of that can be found on my website. It's impactfashionnyc.com. That's I-M-P-A-C-T-F-A-S-H-I-O-N-N-Y-C.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.nyc. The party really lives on Instagram. Please don't message me on Facebook. If you do, it'll give you an automatic message that says go over to Instagram because <laughs> I don't really understand how Facebook works. Um, but I am there. So there's that. Um, and yeah, you, um, I have a, a blog on the website that goes through all different ways that you can just kind of dress better and feel better about yourself and your own body. And we have, uh, there's some actually... Right now, as we're recording this, the most recent article there is an episode that, um, that an episode, an article, excuse me, <laughs> that, um, that, um, Rachel Sarah Safer, who blogs under Modest is the New Black, wrote about body image around pregnancy and pre and postpartum and, and all of that. And it's a fantastic read. So, um, you can find that on the blog there.
0: And I'm going to have all the information under in the show notes also. So, you know, in case anyone misses that. Um, They could just look in the show notes, but thank you. Oh, and by the way,
1: just, just for a little teaser, if, um, if you're jumping from this to my podcast, scroll back a little bit, there's an episode with Nahami. it's called the FBI and me, and it will give you a totally new window into this person that you've been listening to every (laughs) week. Um, and if you think I spoke a lot here, she, she, I did the heavy lifting tonight. She did the heavy lifting in that right. conversation and it's a fantastic story. So definitely make sure to check that out.
0: And it was the morning, if you let's just say that it was the morning. It was very early. Or we're not warning people. We're not don't warning say people. what time it is. Cause was, cause <laughs> that's embarrassing that we think it's early. I, listen, if it's
1: before 9am, it's the crack of dawn. I don't do before 9am. Like literally my yeah. version of hell is needing to be somewhere dressed by 9am. That is, that is literally my version of hell.
0: I schedule so. if I if I need to, sc- to send out an email in the morning I'll schedule it for that morning like I don't even wake up to send the email
1: freaking genius I'm stealing that one
0: totally steal <laughs> it thank you so much for joining me tonight Rifky. I really appreciate it it was so much fun having you on the podcast this was so
1: fun thank you so much for having me